0: After drafting two tackles in the top 72 picks, the Seahawks have completely overhauled the two most important positions along the offensive line. How does that group look heading towards the start of the 2022 season? Rob Rang and I are going to be breaking it all down on our latest installment of Locked on Seahawks.
1: You are Locked
0: on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings 12 this is your host Corbin Smith joining me as always for Locked on Seahawks my co-host in crime Rob Rang thanks for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week we greatly appreciate it we got a jam-packed Monday episode coming your way to be diving into the quarterback situation once again. A couple names floating out there that still could potentially be Seahawks before the start of the 2022 season. We're going to start our ranking Seahawks series. We do this annually, switching things up a little bit this year. We're going to have our first six players on today's show and continuing our position-by-position position depth chart review, going back to the offensive side of the ball with the offensive tackles that are supposed to protect the quarterback, this episode is brought your way by bet online bet online as you covered this season with more props, odds and lines than ever before bet online where the game starts now for your lead story here on locked on Seahawks pretty much every day for the last three months, there's been discussion about potential quarterbacks that the Seahawks could pursue and those discussions are continuing now as we get to the tail end of the final phase of the offseason season and was further stirred by ESPN's Lewis Riddick the other day, indicating that if Jimmy Garoppolo gets released by the 49ers, and he believes that that's ultimately what is going to happen, once he gets released, he thinks the Seahawks should pounce and immediately go after Garoppolo, and that begs this million-dollar question, really multi-million-dollar question, Rob. Baker Mayfield's been linked to the Seahawks. He's disgruntled. The Browns might have to release him when it's all said and done. The same thing for Jimmy Garoppolo with the 49ers. The Seahawks, for now, seem content with Drew Locke and Geno Smith. But if those two guys hit the market, who do you think is a better fit for the Seahawks and why?
1: Well, I think that you have to go with the younger, healthier, uh, potentially cheaper player uh, in Baker Mayfield. Um, if you were going to make the decision between those two players. And I'm very high on Jimmy Garoppolo as well. Um, I have I've been high on Jimmy Garoppolo since his days at Eastern Illinois. Um, really liked his fit with the New England Patriots and the way that he spreads the football around. Um, so it, it, it's a difficult question in a lot of ways, Corbin, because I really like what Seattle currently has at the quarterback position. I, I'm very intrigued by what Drew Locke is going to be able to do. Should he be the starter? I am less excited about the potential as Geno Smith as a starter because I basically feel like I already know what Geno Smith is. And that's what I basically feel about Jimmy Garoppolo as well. Is that I feel like I know what he is. I do believe that he could be very successful in Seattle's offense with Shane Waldron uh, calling the shots. I, I think that that uh, Garoppolo's scheme or Garoppolo's talent, excuse me, uh, translates very well to Shane Waldron's offense. And obviously, the idea of stealing away a player who has had the success that Garoppolo has had in between his injuries, albeit, but still the success that he's had from a divisional rival. Yeah, that that makes an awful lot of sense. But again, I'll go back to the point about Baker Mayfield. I mean, this is a player that I was not high on during his Heisman Trophy run. Uh, You know, our buddy Scott McLuhan had basically had to convince me Uh, about baker mayfield and i was not a believer until i had an opportunity to watch him with my own eyes in mobile alabama at the senior bowl and really see the zip that he is able to generate uh the the mobility he has the the undeniable charisma That he has. And maybe that's not what you want, the quarterback position. Obviously, uh, you know, some of the the leadership questions that some have had about him um, has made him a, a, a poor fit at times in Cleveland. But still, I think that we're talking about a head coach like Pete Carroll and what he is able to coax out of these young players that Baker Mayfield would make some sense for Seattle. So again, Uh, I I apologize if this sounds like a wishy-washy answer, but I just feel like we're having a conversation here because Seattle does not know who is going to be their frontline starter, and that's why we're having this conversation. Do I think that Jimmy Garoppolo is a starter in the NFL? Yes. Do I feel that Baker Mayfield is a starter in the NFL? Yes, but... I also think that Drew Locke can be a top 25 quarterback in the NFL as a starter as well. And obviously, he's already here in Seattle. And if you add all of these quarterbacks, then you really don't have any one person who is able to get the bulk of the snaps and be able to kind of hit the ground running. And that's why, while again, I have a great deal of respect for both of the two quarterbacks that might someday be available to Seattle and Garoppolo and Mayfield. I personally think that Seattle should stand pat and stick with with Drew Locke, Geno Smith, and Jacob Eason as their three-headed monster quarterback.
0: Yeah, I think three-headed monster is an interesting phrasing there with these guys. But nonetheless, I think you and I can agree on this. I'm not going out and getting Mayfield or Garoppolo if I have to take on a chunk of their salary and I have to give up a future draft asset. I think the Seahawks are playing their cards correctly here. Now, if one of them hits the market and they're available as a free agent, you can sign them for veteran minimum or close to Then you reopened the possibility of signing him because I think both of these quarterbacks, at least what we have seen from Drew Locke to this point, what we have seen from Geno Smith to this point, I think both of these quarterbacks would be upgrades. So I don't know that Garoppolo would be much of an upgrade. I think it would be a slight bump. So I'm not sure that if Garoppolo hit the market that I would be aggressively pursuing. Maybe I'm turning the rock over and seeing if there's a potential fit there. And I know that he'd be a good fit in this offense because he's been running Kyle Shanahan's offense for the last few years. A lot of similarities to what Shane Waldron's going to be running here in Seattle, especially with different quarterbacks. But I just don't know how much more of a ceiling there is there. You want to talk about durability issues. Baker Mayfield missed uh, some time last year, played injured, but... He has not had the injury problems that Jimmy Garoppolo has had over the last couple of years. Garoppolo is three full years older as well. So if I had to choose between these two, I just think Mayfield has a better chance to elevate your team than what Jimmy Garoppolo does. To me, there's more mobility there. I think he's more durable even with last year's shoulder injury. I mean, he played through it. He gutted through that injury. So he's got the toughness checked off. I think he throws with more zip. Both of these guys are very similar in the sense that they'll uncork some throws that you just kind of wonder what's between your ears. They just make these really out of nowhere, questionable decisions with the football. So I don't know that there's an advantage from that standpoint, but you know, you can look at the stats. I'll put the stats up for our YouTube watchers again. The stats last year bear out that Garoppolo was the better quarterback. His rating was 15 points higher, 8% better completion rate. More than 1.3 yards per attempt more per pass. Had over 800 yards more passing. But again, Baker Mayfield was not healthy last year. For most of the season, the Browns were banged up around him as well. I just think when I watch a film that Mayfield still has a much higher ceiling than what Garoppolo does at this point. And I feel like if there's a guy here that is more than a stopgap it's Mayfield. And that would be the kind of guy I would want to bring in now. It has to be somebody that I think maybe could be more than a one-year rental. Otherwise, I'd rather go with Drew Locke here and see what you got in a player that's two years younger than what Baker Mayfield is. And that might not be the popular idea for fans right now who are looking for an instant upgraded quarterback, but I don't know that either one of these guys moves the needle enough to get super excited. If you're going to pick one, to me, Mayfield just has the higher ceiling that's untapped to this point
1: yeah, I like the way that you describe that, Corbin. Um I, I think that uh, basically you're you're looking for some stopgap quarterbacks. um it is, I think the kind of the, the belief that Jimmy Garoppolo might be, and that Baker Mayfield may be as well. but there is no question in my mind that he is the the better talent. He does have the higher upside. Um, and so yeah, I mean again, it, as you said, if Seattle was able to get him on the cheap, they don't have to invest any type of, of draft picks in terms of trade to Cleveland. Then yeah, I think that you have to at least explore that opportunity. But uh, again, I, I look at the size, the athletic ability and the arm strength and drew Locke. Is ahead of both Garoppolo and Baker Mayfield, in, in my opinion. So that's why I think that Seattle should kind of stick with what they've got. Um, I am some I am concerned about, <clears throat> excuse me, about. Uh, just the, the lack of consistency that we've seen from all three of Seattle's quarterbacks, but most especially with, with Jacob Beeson. I, I think that it would make some sense to go with another young quarterback if there is somebody else out there available to them. But if you're going to bring in a guy who is expecting to come in and be the starter as Garoppolo and Baker Mayfield clearly would be expecting to be, then I just think that you you basically cut yourself off at the knees here with, with the trade that you made. Um, and obviously sending russell wilson to denver but also getting back drew lock i think there's a reason why garoppolo uh, you know, was was selected where he was, and and Baker Mayfield was selected where he was, uh, number one overall. But we can see the lack of success, lack of consistency that both of these two quarterbacks have faced in the NFL. And you, when we look at the, the numbers of Garoppolo, um, you know, in comparison to Mayfield, not only this past season but over their careers, there's no question Mayfield has better, or excuse me, Garoppolo has better numbers. But you kind of hinted at this before. I'm mean, just thinking the level of competition. Uh, that they're facing the, the fact that the San Francisco 49ers have been a a very good team for a long time, had though of course the one year two years ago where they were absolutely terrible. But Garoppolo was injured much of that year, so it just shows how important that he was to the roster, but also the talent that he was playing with in San Francisco. I mean, it's a lot easier to pad your statistics when you have a guy like Debo and George Kittle collecting passes compared to what Baker Mayfield was kind of dealing with in cleveland so i I, again i think that there's a greater upside with baker mayfield but at the same time it is not such an upside that i think that seattle should be doing whatever they possibly can to acquire baker mayfield and and that's why it feels like and it's everything that the seahawks have been saying both publicly and uh you know kind of behind the scenes a little bit at least from what i've been hearing is that they feel very confident in the quarterbacks that they already have in the fold
0: you know, this storyline is not going to go away, though, as long as there is not a resolution for either one of these guys. And, you know, as long as there's a possibility they could be released. The Seahawks are going to be a team that are going to be linked to both of these guys because they traded Russell Wilson. Drew Locke and Geno Smith have losing records as starters. Jacob Eason has never started a game in the NFL So this is the team that you're going to link to quarterbacks. Clearly, it's a major area of need unless Drew Locke just turns the light switch on, and maybe that's what the Seahawks are hoping for. We are going to be finding out here soon when training camp starts at the end of July We're going to kick off our annual ranking Seahawks series here in a moment with numbers 91 through 86. You might wonder why I said 91. The Seahawks have a unique situation. We'll get to that here in a moment. At BlueNile.com, you can celebrate all of life's special moments from creating the custom engagement ring of her dreams to gifting a classic and timeless jewelry piece, all at prices you won't find at a traditional jeweler. Whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, Find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Build the engagement ring of her dreams or celebrate life's special moments with fine jewelry. No matter what you're looking for, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, so make your moments sparkle. With jewelry from BlueNile.com, Locked On Sports listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement, so make sure to use the code Locked On. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Monday edition. I'm Corbin Smith. Joining me as always, my co-host, Rob Rang. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And make sure to check out the ultimate NBA mock draft starting on June 16th with over 50 insiders. Nothing equals the ultimate NBA mock draft. The Locked On NBA Big Board draft experts plus the Odyssey insiders. First pick is June 16th. Search all of them at NBA Mock Draft and follow now so you don't miss a pick. As we do each and every year, it's crazy to think we're already at this point, but when you have 91 players to break down and you've got six weeks until training camp, yeah, we're going to be to report day here in about five seconds. We're going to blink and it's going to be football season. And so with that being said, Rob, it's time for us to tackle the task of going over all 91 players on the roster. And for those wondering why there's 91 players, Aaron Doncor received an exemption again from the NFL. So he does not technically count against the 90-man roster limit, even though he's now in his second season. The Seahawks are able to have 91 players on their roster as a result. And so let's get to it, Rob. going to kick it off, and I'm going to throw it to you first here on our list. Number 91, a player that was a late addition to the Seahawks roster before the start of OTAs, heralding from Montana State, Kevin Cassis.
1: Yeah, Kevin Cassis, a, a wide receiver. You can those of you watching on YouTube can see him staying there right next to Geno Smith. Um, and you're talking about a guy who is six foot, 202 pounds. Um, uh, wide receiver kind of ran in the in the four fives in a pro day. Um, you know, he was very productive by Montana State, uh you know perspective very productive, um, you know, for the Bobcats, but at the same time, when you look at his career numbers, it's not the kind of thing that's really going to wow people. Um, he was a, a third team all big sky player, and wound up in, over his career catching 152 passes, but for only 1,966 yards. Uh, Montana State just does not throw the football very often and so Cassis was very productive uh, for Montana State but at the same time very reliable very consistent route runner catches the ball well he's a good athlete with solid size um, and it, to me the most in- interesting thing about him is just the um, just the the want to that he has shown um, and this is a guy that you know he his draft class was way back in 2019 and yet he has kind of stuck around and continued to work out, went to Montana state's pro day this past year, 2020 Team pro day where Montana state had several players that wound up either getting drafted, including Troy Anderson. We talked about him, the linebacker um, in the second round. Um, but they also had several other players sign as undrafted free agents. Cassis obviously worked out well enough to get some interest from the Seahawks. So I think that he and the rest of these players, they're, they're on the bottom of the roster. That's why we're talking about him right now. I think he very much has an upward climb to be able to try to make this roster, but at the same time, that is exactly what he has demonstrated, is the heart, the drive to be able to do exactly that.
0: Yeah, his pro day was canceled in 2020, which that happened to a lot of players because of the COVID-19 pandemic. But that was especially impactful from a negative standpoint for FCS prospects. And yet, here he is. He's going to get a chance, barring a roster move, before the start of training camp. He's going to get his first shot to compete for an NFL team two years later. So, a great story. Now, going to number 90 on our list. And this is a player that I actually, looking at our rankings, we compiled these a few weeks ago during the middle of OTAs, and I'm not so sure that Cade Brewer shouldn't be higher on this list just based on what we saw last week at mandatory minicamp. Now, I know, again, it's fake football, and we're going to keep referencing that. No pads, no contact, no 11-on-11, at least in their actual practices that are not walkthroughs. But this kid went out and had a touchdown catch from Geno Smith. He showed some toe drag swag on a sideline catch from Drew Locke. At 238 pounds, you could see some decent movement skills, better than you would anticipate. His pro day numbers were not great. And this is a guy that was not necessarily an overly productive receiver at Texas, had over 600 receiving yards in five years on campus and eight touchdowns. Not big numbers, especially in the past happy Big 12. But you also have to think about the quarterback situation at Texas the last few years. They've really struggled to develop a quality quarterback there. And so certainly players like Brewer were impacted by that. But this is a guy that's a move tight end. He can play inline blocker. He can be an H-back. He can play fullback. He can even play in the slot if you ask him to. He can move all over the field. Clearly, he is a true tight end. He's experienced with the position all those years playing at Texas. And this is a guy that, you know, if he plays his cards right, maybe he can leapfrog Tyler uh, Mabry on the depth chart. If that happens, then he very well might be a practice squad candidate to start the season. And we know from the last several years, if you're a practice squad tight end, you've got a pretty good chance to play at least in a couple games in the regular season as a practice squad call-up. So unlike Cassis, I think Brewer is certainly a player that could be in the mix for a practice squad spot when it's all said and done.
1: No, I think he can. And, you know, you mentioned the fact that he was not very impressive during his pro day workout. Well, kind of the polar opposite of that was Deontes Alexander, another wide receiver that Seattle signed. Um, This guy is 6'1", 196 pounds, um, and and he played at a small school, uh, D3 Franklin College. Um, You know, so again, small school, but you would want a guy playing at such a small school to physically dominate the competition. And that's exactly what he did uh you know Two hundred, I'm sorry, 114 passes for 2,133 yards and 33 touchdowns in just a couple of seasons at that level. Uh, ran a 4.35 second 40 yard dash, 37 and a half inch vertical jump. Really showed great quickness in the shuttle drills as well. 4.08 seconds in the short shuttle, 6.91 seconds in the three cone. Um, so again, the, the change of direction for a guy who is six foot one 196 pounds that's intriguing um he spent some time in the CFL spent some time with the Detroit Lions doesn't have any statistics uh at the NFL level and all the catches that he made were in the preseason um so those of course don't translate but still this is a guy who does have some athletic ability as I mentioned before with Cassis I I think that wide receiver is arguably Seattle's deepest positional group so it is unlikely that these players are going to wind up making Seattle's opening day roster, but still They are on the roster, they are getting their opportunity, and as we talked about before at the quarterback position, if any one of these receivers develops some rapport with Seattle's quarterbacks, that's going to help them out as well. Should there be any type of prolonged holdout for DK Metcalf, suddenly wide receiver is going to be a position where you might have to have some more bodies there, and obviously special teams is critical as well. So I am intrigued by by these two wide receivers we just mentioned, but I know that Dallas has several other players that we're going to be highlighting here that also uh, deserve a great deal of, of uh, acknowledgement.
0: The Seahawks signed four undrafted safeties after the draft. And to an extent, all of them intrigue in their own way. The first one that we're going to talk about though, coming in on our list at number 88, Scott Nelson out of Wisconsin, six foot two, 203 pounds, didn't play a lot of games for the Badgers until his senior season, but last year, 58 tackles returned to interception for a touchdown. And you know, you and I were joking about this before the start of the show when we were doing our planning. And you and I have seen Scott Nelson on the field at Wisconsin. We've seen him now in a Seahawks uniform. He this guy does not look like he would be a super athletic safety. He just doesn't. Uh, but looks can be deceiving. You look at this guy's pro day numbers: 449, 40 yard dash. 39 and a half inch vertical, 6.8 second three cone. So he's got all three things working for him. He's got straight line speed. He's got explosiveness in the leaping ability category and obviously great change of direction skills with that 6.8 second three cone drill. So you bring in a player like this, that you know is coming from a very good program in Wisconsin that kicks out a lot of NFL talent. He's played special teams. He Clearly has some ball skills He'll come up and he'll hit you, and he's very athletic. A guy with those kind of traits who's played really good competition in the Big Ten, those are kind of undrafted free agents that you have to keep an eye on. So safety, that's going to be a very difficult position for any of these undrafted guys to make the team with the depth and the talent the Seahawks have there. But if there's a guy that could maybe sneak up the depth chart and make some surprise noise, Scott Nelson with those athletic traits, where he's coming from, a very good Wisconsin program, this might be that sleeper to keep an eye on.
1: Oh, absolutely. And as you said, we were kind of joking about it before. It just doesn't look the part. Well, neither did Hunter Renfro, Um, you know, wide receiver, of course, with the Raiders. who just re-signed and um, you know, that's to me is kind of what you're looking for is it doesn't matter what they look like. um, You know, wearing a t-shirt, let's see how they perform uh, on the football field. And that's something that Nelson did. I mean, he, he, popped off the tape uh this past season for wisconsin uh, so i'm excited to see what what nelson might be able to provide uh, you know there's a cornerback out there uh, on this list that i'm excited about elijah jones uh, now this is that kind of classic pete carroll long arm tall cornerback that we've seen uh carroll and the seahawks focusing on in the past he played his he wrapped up his college ball at oregon state Played previously at Kansas and actually signed with Kansas as a pretty highly touted Juco. And Kansas Jayhawks are not a program that has been, you know, really successful in producing big time NFL talent. But Les Miles, the then Jayhawks coach, certainly had a great deal of success, you know, previously in his career, winning a ring, of course, the LSU Tigers uh, a few years ago. Um, And to see Jones transfer from Kansas to Oregon State as a grad transfer after Miles was released from Kansas. Um, And and, and Jones does not have the production that you're hoping for. Roughly 40 tackles, eight or nine passes broken up, not a single college interception. But at the same time, he's, he's running in the four fours. He's got a 37 and a half inch vertical. He is six foot one, 190 pounds with 33 plus inch arms. He has all the traits that the Seahawks have prioritized in the past, and Oregon State is one of those programs that is looking for some of those types of long-arm corners that, that Seattle likes. So I think that the Oregon State Beavers is going to be a team that Seattle is going to continue to try to steal some of those former Beavers and, and bring them up a little bit north. So I'm very curious to see what, what Jones might be able to do. We know Seattle has a great deal of corners. Obviously, they selected two in this draft class, but at the same time, given the durability, concerns at the cornerback position as well. I think Elijah Jones, at least of the three players that I've mentioned so far, Jones is aptly uh, listed here as far as being the highest ranked of of those prospects.
0: And wrapping up this first cluster of players, I'm going to stick at the cornerback position as well. A player that isn't quite as prototypical in terms of size and length, and that's Josh Turner, who actually started his career at Iowa and then wound up at Florida International. Last season had decent numbers with 41 tackles and three tackles for loss. Not a guy that's a major ball hawk. Had only one interception his entire collegiate career. Last year had just one pass breakup. But he's played corner. He's played safety. He's played special teams. And at 5'11", 180 pounds. Not a big guy necessarily, but not a super small corner either. They're listing him at the corner position. He's been playing some. On the outside, maybe a player they could look at in the slot if they wanted to as well. There's a log jam at that position. So like with Jones, it's going to be very difficult to make this football team. But if you can stand out on special teams, that can go a long way. The fact that this kid has played some safety as well in the past, that'll never hurt as well. The more you can do, the better chance you have to make the team. So both these guys are going to have a very difficult time sticking on the 53-man roster. But they could certainly be practice squad candidates particularly Jones with his length and size. And when you look at Turner with the versatility and the special teams ability that he brings to the table, we're going to continue our position by position review here in a moment, slipping back to the offensive side of the ball. The tackles are going to be held responsible for protecting Geno Smith or Drew Locke this upcoming season. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports information. Find all the latest sports developments, news and odds, including this year's basketball championship matchup the NHL Conference Finals, Major League Baseball, and of course, all the latest fighting news from MMA to UFC and boxing. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting and waging informational needs, including live betting, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks Podcast, Monday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith, joined as always by Rob Rang, Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. And make sure to check out for your second listen, the Locked On NFL podcast. The schedule's getting dark this time of year, but the NFL truly never stops. Neither does Locked On NFL. Get insights and opinions from hosts including Ross Jackson, Chris Carter, and Tony Wiggins, plus local Locked NFL hosts repping all 32 squads. There's no offseason for real fans, so make sure you're subscribed to Locked NFL on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Continuing our position-by-position position depth chart review, the Seahawks entered the draft with major concerns at tackle. They only had three players signed to contracts on the roster So it shouldn't be a surprise they ended up using two of their first four selections inside the top 72 picks at the tackle position, number nine overall on Charles Cross, number 72 overall on Abraham Lucas from Washington State. Both of them are going to have a great chance to be day one starters and playing against the Denver Broncos in September. Rob, let's look at the tackle depth chart, shall we? And this looks a little bit different than what it did this time last year. You may recall Dwayne Brown as well as Brandon Shell, were the starters for the Seahawks, their second season together as starters. And a number of these players were obviously not here with Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas being drafted in April, but a major changeup at this position, the two most important positions on the offensive line. I guess center could be thrown in there as well, but you need to have stud tackles now to protect your quarterback.
1: You do. And uh, yeah, while everybody is going to focus on quarterbacks for obvious reasons, this is the actually the position that had the greatest turnover. Um, as you just mentioned, we had Dwayne Brown, a, a multiple pro multiple time pro bowler and a 10 plus year starter in the NFL as a former first round selection. And Brandon Shell, of course, was a multiple year starter in the NFL as well. Right now, the Seahawks elder statement at tackle is the 24-year-old Jake Curran, whose only starts were last season as an undrafted free agent for those, what, four or five games? He's got the most starting experience of any offensive tackle on Seattle's roster at this point. I love the talent. I'm terrified of the lack of experience, and and that is why I think that the quarterback conversation that we had previously, why Seattle's going to have to continue to kick the tires on every quarterback, because whoever the starting quarterback is going to be, he's going to be picking himself up off the ground. Many, many times, especially early in the season, as these young players kind of get used to the NFL, would not be surprised at all if this positional group changes a little bit. Once we start seeing some quality veterans still uh, available on the market, Uh, players perhaps other than Brennan Schell and uh, Dwayne Brown, both of whom continue to be available, should Seattle decide to go that route.
0: Yeah, I don't think they're going to be going back that direction unless one of these rookies gets banged up, but there's no question about it that this is a group where if there's another young tackle that becomes available that they like at the end of training camp through cuts, they might want to bring somebody in because you love the upside for Cross and Lucas. And just for the sake of this simulation, based on what I'm hearing, I think there's a very good chance that we see both these rookies starting in week one at this point. I think that's what the Seahawks want to have happen. That's not to say that Jay Curhan's not going to step in and have other plans because Curhan could win this job. He's got the talent. He played well enough last year. But the Seahawks want Abraham Lucas to win that right tackle job. They want Charles Cross to win the left tackle job. Those guys are most likely going to be your starting combination as rookies on day one. You look behind him, though. Stone Forsythe played 14 offensive snaps as a rookie last year. He's hardly played in any NFL games. He's basically a rookie that's had practice reps and preseason games. That's basically what he has done to this point. Curran started those five games, and you said he's the elder statesman. Greg Island didn't even dress for a game last year as an undrafted rookie. He was on the practice squad the entire season, but has never played in an NFL game. And Liam Ryan, who is also an undrafted rookie coming in out of Washington State, played with Abraham Lucas. He's been banged up and missed all of mini camp with crutches on some some type of a lower body injury. So this is not a group when you look top to bottom that you're thinking, you know what? I think we're in pretty good shape. You love what your future prognosis is. If those two rookies play well right away and they grow as the season goes on, then yeah, this could be a very good group by the end of the season, at least top heavy wise. But you have a lot of question marks with everybody else that is there on the depth chart. Just the lack of experience overall.
1: Yeah, that, that's the biggest concern you have. Again, it's not about it's not about talent. It, it's about the toughness. Um, you know, they're they're you know, and you got a guy like Charles Cross, who of course has been a uh, you know as a starter the Last couple of seasons at Mississippi State in the mighty SEC. You got Abe Lucas, who was a four-year starter, um, you know, in the Pac 12, Liam Ryan as well. And, and you mentioned him. But Ryan is kind of has a kind of a funny build for a tackle, similar to Jake Curran. He's got a frame, especially those short stubby arms. I think they're 32 and a half inch arms, if I remember correctly, that suggest a possible move inside to guard, perhaps even center. Um, Ryan is a guy that, uh, has the intelligence, um, and, and the toughness to be able to handle that transition, but he just wasn't asked to do that very much. Uh, you know, at Washington state and obviously the same kind of concerns that we previously talked about with Charles Cross and Abe Lucas, that air raid system, same thing is going to apply of course with Liam Ryan. So that's the biggest concern I have is that do these guys have the toughness, just the physicality uh you know to to be able to compete the NFL level as rookie starters now i agree with you i think that charles cross basically is going to be given the left tackle position and that's not to suggest i don't think that he would deserve it i think that he likely would beat out most NFL veterans that Seattle might be able to bring just because the talent is so obvious Um, But at the same time, one of the concerns I had about Charles Cross uh, in the draft evaluation process is when people are able to push into his chest, he's got a little bit narrow base, and you can bull rush him. And that is 101 in, in the NFL. He is going to be tested. Abraham Lucas, I just like his frame. I like his physicality. I like the nastiness with which he plays. I don't have those same concerns about the bull rushers. I do have some concerns about his speed to the outside. Terrific in the 40-yard dash, but he does have heavy feet when he's dropping back in pass protection. And so I do have some concerns that way. I think that Seattle's offensive tackles are going to be their starters uh, for the long term. In 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 uh cross at left tackle, Lucas at right tackle. I think that's gonna be basically uh you know exactly what C- why Seattle did what they did, why Seattle is gonna be gonna go with a veteran quarterback right now, and then seeing what they've got for the future. And I think that these young tackles learning on the fly is going to help Seattle in the future. But this first season, again, everybody's talking about how the quarterback play might be a little bit questionable. I think the tackle play is gonna be a little questionable uh in 2022.
0: Yeah, I think that this one's pretty cut and dry, and we've talked about it. Curhan versus Lucas, that's your real competition. There's not a competition at left tackle. Pete Carroll's not going to say that, but there's not. It's Charles Cross's job, and he's going to be the guy in week one, barring an injury. And then on the right side, they want Lucas to win that job. And Stone Forsythe, that might be the name to just kind of throw in there a little bit because Pete Carroll did mention After minicamp, that he is competing at right tackle. They're impressed with how much bigger, stronger he is, how much better his technique is to this point. So maybe Stone Forsythe is a name that we're not talking about that should maybe have his hat thrown into the ring a little bit here. I would be surprised if they go that route, but you know, the 14 reps he had working against Nick Bosa mostly last year, I thought he held up well at right tackle. And this is a guy that's a pretty athletic player at six foot eight, has a lot of tools to work with. So maybe in the end, this ends up being a three player competition. Foresight is the true wild card here, but it's pretty cut and dry that you've got your two rookies. You want to win the job. Kurhan, if he wins, okay, that's fine. He started five games last year. You know, he can move people in the run game. But I mean, the, this group is going to be built around those two rookies long term. So you're hoping, you're keeping your fingers crossed, that you can just get that process started. Now let those two get their lumps out of the way this year early, and maybe by the end of the season they'll be clicking on all cylinders. And now you've got two foundational pieces on your offensive line for years to come.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, you you talked about Forsyth a little bit. Um, So I'll talk about Seattle's other six foot eight uh, former all SEC player in Greg Island. Um, Again, we're talking about a former Mississippi State Bulldog that is going to just hopefully ease that transition a little bit for Charles Cross. I mean, these are young men who have moved completely across the entire country. Island's familiarity here being in Seattle this past season, hopefully is going to allow him to be a little bit of a kind of a big brother, so to speak uh, to Charles Cross and be able to hopefully make that that much easier of a transition just in terms of real life, not just football stuff. But Island has shown some flex positional flexibility as well, playing both left and right tackle at six, eight, three hundred and twenty one pounds. I like him better on the right spot, or the right tackle spot. Forsyth being the athlete that he is, he's 6'8", 310 pounds, but ran in a four nines um, during his forty yard dash. So we're talking, we are talking about a pretty fantastic, a pretty spectacular athlete. Um, and then you mentioned the the fact that while he didn't have a lot of experience at right tackle last year, the fact that he is suiting up there this year again, that he, I think that it shows that he might be able to be Seattle's swing tackle, and at that. That size, that is one heck of a swing. So I am intrigued, again, by all the athletes that Seattle has, but the fact that your oldest offensive tackle is just 24 years old, again, has to be a bit of a concern.
0: Just the lack of experience. Your two rookies have never started a game. Stone Foresight has never started a game. Curhan has started five, which looks like he's a 15-year veteran compared to everybody else they've got in this yeah. position group. Reg Island's never even dressed for a regular season game. Neither is Liam Ryan. So again, this isn't a talent issue. This could end up being a strength for this football team in the near future with the talent they have there. But there are going to be growing pains when you have that limited of experience, especially playing in the rugged NFC West. So we'll see how quickly these rookies get acclimated again. This is what the Seahawks want. They want Cross and Lucas to win those jobs quickly. And they want them to go through those roller coasters early on, the adversity, so that they can come out better in the back end. You could have two long term starters. That would be the perfect scenario for the Seahawks protecting the quarterback. As always, thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Make sure to check out Locked on Seahawks and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. And of course, we're streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up on our Tuesday episode, we're going to continue our Seahawks rankings with numbers 85 through 81. And we're going to continue our position by position depth chart review. We're going to swing back over to the defensive side of the football, looking at the cornerback group. You won't want to miss it. Again, thanks for listening in. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. Go Hawks.